at the beginning of the summer, Pastor and I sat down and we talked about all the expectations he had for me as a summer vicar. And one of those expectations was pretty surprising. He told me that I was required one day per week to take a day of rest. And, and at first I thought, okay, sweet, this is awesome. That's something I can do. But as the summer went on, I realized it's pretty hard for me to find rest from the work that I do. It's pretty hard for me to get my mind off of work. And so one of the things I did to combat that is I went hiking. And one of the places I went hiking was um, Looking Glass Rock in the Pisgah National Forest near Asheville. And it was a fun and challenging hike. And when I got to the top, I was rewarded with a stunning view. And so I sat down, I ate a granola bar, I read some of my book, and I even lost my water bottle at the top. Um, that was a place where I really found rest this summer. Where do you guys go to find rest? We all have those places that we go to find rest from time to time, right? It might be the beach at Lake Norman, or maybe it's having a latte over at Waterbean, or maybe it's going to the races at Millbridge, or maybe it's simply your couch. We all have those places that we go to find rest from time to time, and we do these things because we really need it. Because throughout our weeks, we get tired. And as we get tired, we become unmotivated, sluggish, and kind of lazy. And, and this, so rest is really important for us to refuel, recharge, and refocus. But you know, there's another part of us that needs rest too. That's our souls. Where do you go to find rest for your tired and burdened souls? Where do you go to find rest when you know that you've hurt someone you love and you don't know if the relationship is repairable? Where do you go to find rest when, when that one sin is weighing on you and keeping you up at night? Where do you go to find rest when you promised God you would stop committing that sin and yet the following day you failed to keep that promise? Where does your rest lie? We all know where it should lie, right? Where does it often lie in our sinful nature? I think if I sit down and really think about that question, the answer is really pretty simple. I go to myself. I sit down and I think about my sin. I think about the ways that I can solve my own problem of sin. I tell myself, all right, Dan, from here on out, no more sinning. I go to the law. And I'd be willing to bet that I am not the only one here that struggles with that. Because it's part of our sinful nature to have a do-it-yourself attitude when it comes to finding rest for your souls. In fact, one of the devil's biggest lies is that you can find rest in what you do. He's very quick to give you an answer to your sin by saying, follow the law and you'll be fine. He's very quick to give you that answer. And so our sinful nature tends to listen to that. And, and so you might try to do a good work to make up for your sin or you might try to make a promise to God to stop sinning. And this feels good for a little bit. Feels good on the outside. Might even make you feel a bit validated. But there's a problem with this solution, and do you know what it is? When it comes to keeping God's law, God requires perfection. Absolute perfection. He doesn't require a good, solid effort. He doesn't require good works to make up for sin. God requires perfection. 
And that means no sin to begin with. That's a tall order. It's a tall order that you could never fill because ever since Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the tree, humanity's state of perfection has been completely destroyed. Completely destroyed. And, and so this puts a burden of guilt on our shoulders. It's a burden that, that weighs on us during the day. and It's a burden that keeps us up at night. It's a burden that even the great apostle Paul suffered with when he said, oh, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. The law is simply not a good place to find rest. Just imagine with me that you just got done with work after a long eight-hour, nine-hour grueling day, and instead of going home and sitting at your desk, you went back to your, or instead of going home and sitting on your couch, you, you went home and you sat at your desk, and you stared at all the work that you failed to get done that day. You didn't work on it, you just stared at it, and you told yourself that you should have done better. The law kind of works that same way. It shows you your sin. It shows you all the ways that you fell short, and it shows you all the good that you failed to do. And if you continue to search for rest in that, I promise you'll never find it. I can promise you that because I've tried. I've tried to find rest in the law only to fail time and time again. I've tried to find rest in the law by doing something good to make up for my sin. I've tried to find rest in the law by promising God that I would stop sinning. I felt the unrest that the law brings. I've carried it with me. God's tall order of perfection leaves me with the stunning yet sobering realization that I come empty-handed. It leaves me with the sobering realization that I am weary and burdened, unrested and uncured. And the quicker that we all come to that realization, the better. The quicker that we come to that realization, the better. Now, why do I say that? I say that because the quicker you know that you can't do it yourself, the quicker you know that you need someone to do it for you. And thank God that people like you, people like me, people who are weary and burdened by the law are the exact people that Jesus came to give rest to. Jesus comes to you in his word today and he says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't come to give rest to the imperfect. Or Jesus didn't come to give rest to the perfect. He came to give rest to the imperfect. He came to give rest to the weary. He came to give rest to you. And the way that Jesus gives rest isn't really what you'd expect, right? He doesn't say, go take a nap. But instead he says, here, take this yoke. Do you guys know what a yoke is? It's this old farming tool that a farmer would place on the back or neck of two oxen, and they would pull this plow through the field, and it would plow the field. Well, that doesn't sound like the most restful option in the world, does it? Doesn't taking on a yoke mean that I have more work to do? Well, no. Jesus doesn't say, take this yoke alone. No, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The cool thing about a yoke the cool thing about Jesus using this illustration is that a yoke typically comes in a two-headed form. 
it typically comes in a form of where one or two oxen can stand under it. The yoke that Jesus is talking about here is a two-headed yoke. Do you know what that means? It means that that throughout all our burdens, all our struggles, all our troubles, Jesus is right there, carrying our burdens of sin with us. He's right there the whole time. He does all the heavy lifting. He does all the work. And that's awesome. That, that says a lot about our Savior. And so now that guilt that you once had is completely done away with. Because under his yoke, you learn that Jesus came into this world humbly. Born in a manger in Bethlehem. Under his yoke, you learn that Jesus lived a perfect life from age 0 to 33. Under his yoke, you learn that Jesus lived that perfect life for you. Under his yoke, you learn that Jesus exchanged his perfect life for your sinful one when he hiked it up to Golgotha and went to the cross. Under Jesus' yoke, you learn that, that God put his stamp of approval on this great exchange when he resurrected Jesus from the dead. Under his yoke, you learn that Jesus placed his yoke on you at your baptism. That perfect life that you can never achieve on your own. That perfect life that God requires is yours because of his arrow pointing down love for you. It is a pure gift from God. And it is in this gift that your soul finds rest. So now that guilt that you once had, it's completely gone. Because you are yoked together with Jesus. And now when you stand before your creator on the final day, yoked together with Jesus, your verdict will be innocent. The doors to heaven will be opened and your yoke partner will be there to give you a hug. This changes your whole life. Because now when you're lying in bed thinking of all the sins that you committed that day, all the good that you failed to do, you can rest. You can rest knowing that Jesus lived for that. You can rest knowing that Jesus died for that. You can rest knowing that Jesus rose for that. That is true rest. And the rest that Jesus gives is everything you've ever wanted. It's everything you've ever searched for because when you know that you are free from sin, suddenly doing good for God or serving God, it's not a means to an end. Instead, it's a pure joy to serve God out of love for everything that he did for you. This rest found in Christ empowers you. It empowers you to say no to sin. It empowers you to serve God in everything you do. It empowers you to live in harmony with your neighbor. So where does your rest lie? I think your place of bodily rest and my place of bodily rest might differ, but our place of rest for our souls does not. You find rest in Jesus. You find rest in the fact that he has yoked himself together with you, and through that you know that your sins are forgiven. You find rest in the words that he tells you today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen.